2: It's time to take command with former
1: NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commanders beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take Command podcast from Odyssey
0: Sports. What's up? What's happening? Craig Hoffman here. Logan Paulson there. And coming up in about 15 minutes, Matt Harmon from the Reception Perception podcast is going to join us for a really exceptional breakdown of the Commanders offense from the wide receiver position, a reception perception, if you will. Uh, so we'll talk to him about Terry McLaurin's season, Jahan Dotson's season, uh, and how both Sam Howell and Eric Bienemy have impacted the wide receivers this season compared to what he sees around the rest of the NFL. But Logan, we start with our game preview, uh, about 15 minutes here of Jets commanders. Woo, how everybody wants to spend their holidays.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, but I think there are, you know, it's not going to be a great game, but I think, you know, when you talk about uh, the Jets team, if you want to see like elite football, I think their defense is playing pretty gosh darn good Yeah, and for how badly their offense has played. And for all the stuff that um, all the kind of adversity that team has faced this year, like the defense has been exceptional and they remain exceptional for um, sure. You know, rough week last
0: it. week against the Dolphins, but, but it's the Dolphins. It and they got no week. support from their offense. And, you know, one of those touchdowns comes when Zach Wilson gets just absolutely bamboozled by Bradley Chubb and they right. recover a fumble at the two-yard line. So um, that is what it is. But uh, Sam Howell going to try to have a bounce-back game. Uh, he's, he's had three bad wins in a row against a defense that's super elite. Um, how does it? How, how does this offense try to accomplish that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's going to be tough. So, like, let's just start with what they want to be, the Jets. And I think the Jets, they are, like, day one in install, I think they want to be, like, a quarters team. So you see a lot of these guys, like, um, coming out of the Seattle cover three stuff. They've kind of changed their perspective. Obviously, Robert Sala is from that defensive tree. And they've all kind of added a little bit of wrinkles. So, you know, I think you look at Dan Quinn. He kind of goes a lot more kind of Tampa 2 coverages with mixed in with man. Robert Sala, at least in my understanding, in my perspective, obviously he's going to run two, he's going to run six, but I think base day one is quarters, right? So you get the four guys across the back. And the reason you do that is it keeps everything in front of you and it lets that safety kind of be that run player. It's, it's, you know, obviously this team ran it a couple of years ago, a little bit more quarters, a little bit more palms, however you want to call that. Um, so I think that's what they want to be, but they do run an absolute boatload of man-to-man coverage. They, they run a ton of man-to-man coverage, and I think it makes sense because you've got guys like Sauce Gardner. You've got guys like DJ Reed, who is playing really well. Everyone talks about Sauce, but DJ Reed's playing really good football. Both their safeties are very, very good football players, very instinctive. And when you watch them, in especially in the back end, It feels like you're watching Dallas. Just a bunch of guys who are extremely confident, extremely well-coached. They know what hurts them. They know how to stop those things. And they're very, very confident in terms of their responsibilities. And I think when I first started watching, quite honestly, when I first started watching um, the Jets, I thought, oh, man, it's the pass rush that drives them, much like dallas it's the pass rush that drives dallas's defensive production and while the pass rush is very good obviously quentin williams is one of the best defensive tackles in football they've got a whole bunch of very dynamic probably six or seven guys that are very dynamic rushing the passer but it's a different type of pass rusher they've got like john Fra- john franklin myers who's like 290 pounds who's like this classic edge collapser as a pass rusher right they've got uh, michael Clems- clemens who's very very similar he's big he's 280 they're crashing edges they got Jeremiah Johnson big physical guys who's got a little more juice but you don't see this quick win kind of uh relentless pass rush that you get from Dallas it's a much more we're compressing the pocket and the coverage drives their pressure production I think so I think that's when you mentioned Sam Howell and this defense it's kind of like how does how you know? I think it's very apropos that we have the reception perception guys on because how do you win versus man to man coverage? How do you hold the space and how do you anticipate throws? Because while the rush is isn't as dynamic as Dallas's, for example, it's still very dynamic. It's still very effective, and they really rely on the coverage to make you hold the ball for a beat and let that rush get home and get uh, get pressures and get sacks. and um, And I think that's going to be the matchup of the day, in my opinion, is receivers versus corners and then can you get the ball out quickly enough that that rush can't kind of compress you into a into a black hole
0: from a play calling standpoint a combination of quarters and man is really difficult because in quarters theoretically the open stuff is going to be quick underneath that's the stuff that man coverage often shuts down, especially if you play press, like if they sauce Gardner's press. right up on you, you know, you call, you call uh, dragon lion, whatever they call it in this system, but right. you're, you're slant double slants on one side, slant flat on the other. Um, and you're like, ah, this will be great against uh, quarters coverage. We got, you know, these, these slant routes that one of them's going to pop open. And you're like, uh, well, now I got Sauce Gardner pressed up on a slant. Do I really want to throw that? And then you you just hope that the uh, the slant flat on the other side works. And even if it does, you're probably throwing that quick flat route, and you know they come up, they tackle. It's four yards, and you haven't gotten very far. Um, then all of a sudden, you're like, okay, well, they're playing man. Let's let's go some man beaters, and then they just sit back in quarters and they pass it off, and it's it's easy, and they've got it covered. So that's a tough concept uh, or tough pairing of coverages as a play caller to deal with. How, you know, what, what is then the, the idea I would think, you know, if I'm, if I got a bunch of deep defenders or man to man, those are good running opportunities, but we know that EB's probably not going to all of a sudden say, Hey, Brian Robinson, 25 carries for you today. Assuming that B Rob is back.
1: Well, I do think the one thing, if you're, if you're calling a game, you have to be hyper aware of how poor the jets offense is. And we'll talk about them more in detail in a second, but I, you know, I get a report, uh, PFF does a report and kind of does rankings, offensive rankings. And I've never seen a report like this in the three years I've had access to this 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 information where it's like thirty-second in explosive plays, thirty-second in touchdowns, thirty-second in first downs, thirty-second in total yards. They are a bad offense. They are very bad offensively. So if I'm E B, you know, we talked about game flow earlier this year and how you got to manage game flow. This is a, this is a game where I think you can trust just after a while, you know, we'll we'll talk about the offense here in a sec, but like trust your defense to to not give up 10 points and just be like, we can manage this game offensively. We'll run the football, we'll be semi-efficient on third down. That's another thing on third down, they do all sorts of crazy stuff. They've got five or six guys up right at the line of scrimmage. Who's coming? Who's dropping out? Is it man? Is it some form of zone? So you want to stay out of those situations as much as possible. But I I really think like if there's a game you want to, kind of put this thing in a four-wheel drive, this is the game to do it. And obviously, uh, because I think when you look at the first Miami game, they have two picks, the, the Jets' defense, that keep them in it. You look at the Philly game this year, three interceptions. They win the game because of the defense. The Bills game early in the year, three interceptions. They win the game because of the defense. And it's so rare now in the NFL to see teams truly winning with defensive production, but that's what they're doing. So if you can kind of negate the teeth of that team, which is the defense, play conservative football, protect the ball. I think you're going to be in an okay spot. Now, to your point, that's not really been EB's MO ever. And it looked like they were going to show shades of that against the Giants in the second outing. And it was semi-effective until they fumbled the ball twice. But um, but I do think like I would probably look at that. I'd say, like Chris Rodriguez, you've been very efficient running the football. How do we maximize your touches? I think and um, and then if Brian Robinson's healthy, great. If Gibson's healthy, great. You've got a great opportunity there to kind of, again, maximize that backfield, insulate the offensive line from this physical pass rush. And it's, it's okay to punt. You know, like I, I really believe that in this game. It's okay to punt because the offense for them is, is I don't want to say toothless, but but been very, very ineffective this year.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, Logan, you ready for the, the the best kept secret in the entire National Football League?
1: No, what is it?
0: Well, tough. You're, you're going to get it anyway. You better get ready. You got three, ready. two. The Washington Commanders are a top 10 team in yards per carry. Ugh. It is the dirtiest <laughs> secret in the whole league. Because I... Oh, this drives me nuts. I've literally responded to YouTube comments this week uh, on my page when people are like, we can't run it. I was like, if only there was a place that you could look up this statistic and then copied and pasted the link to ESPN.com's stats section with yards per carry being the sorting metric. The Washington Commanders by yards per carry are the seventh best team in the NFL. I say that knowing that we've talked on this podcast about how we think the run game could be a lot better. It's not particularly scream, uh, schemed great. Some of that is probably enhanced by Sam Howell's scrambles mm-hmm. and the fact that they don't run the ball a ton with the running backs. In fact, they do it less than basically everyone else in football. So those scrambles impact that average in an outsized way. But at the end of the day, we are 15 weeks into the season. They are seventh in yards per carry. That is a relevant statistic. And so the idea that they're actually bad at it, yes, they've been bad in short yardage, like their success rate in short yardage has not been very good. So there are certain situations where they have been a quote unquote bad running football team. However, (laughs) down in, down out, they can do it. And part of it is because they subvert expectation because no one ever expects them to run. And so I do think that becomes critically important EB has got to do that this weekend. It is for game flow, for Sam, for everything. It is the right way to play, and they're not nearly as bad at it as everyone thinks.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, if EB's not going to do it, like what is his analogous for that? Is it the quick game? You mentioned the press, the the press coverage they're going to get. Is it screens? Like, is it, you know, whatever whatever that looks like, you need something again that's going to deleverage the quarterback, deleverage the offensive line put those guys in good positions to be successful and allow the the Jets defense not to win the game. And, uh, you know, obviously, that's a lot of that responsibility is on Sam, but I do think, and how you call that game, it's going to be uh, very, very impactful to that as well. So,
0: no doubt about it. All right, quickly on the other side of it that future Jets offense it's and gross. against a uh, league worst commanders defense. And in a battle in bad versus bad, someone's got to do something. Who's the same right. one?
1: So uh, I will say, you know, they do have a couple guys on the offense that are dynamic. Garrett Wilson, there's a play (laughs) from the Dallas game earlier this season where he takes a drift and he takes it 80 yards for a touchdown. Like, he's an explosive playmaker. And they just don't – Brees Hall, explosive playmaker, right? And you see guys like – I was just watching film last night. Like, the Broncos misfit a counter. Easy. Counter's easy. And Brees Hall takes it, I think, 65 for a touchdown. Like, they have – pieces i think their offensive line is kind of um talk about bad offensive line play i think they've got some pieces on there that get you excited like Lakeland tomlinson makai Beckton, finally healthy finally playing like that first round player uh joe Tipman, their center is a guy they drafted in the second round doing good stuff but the right side is a bunch of backups right uh elijah very tucker's hurt he's out Their starting right tackle is hurt he's out so you get carter warren a guy that i liked in the draft a lot from pittsburgh but is a fourth round draft pick you know um, uh, Max Mitchell was their starting tackle last year. He's playing guard. So they, they've they got some pieces moving around, and then you get a quarterback in Zach Wilson who holds the ball for long periods of time. And that kind of in the same vein like that we're experiencing here makes that group look worse. And I think it's, it's kind of a combination of errors. So I think um, one thing I'm excited for is the defensive line, possibly in a get-right kind of game situation here. Um, which would be fantastic because if they can produce, I think it insulates the back end, and I think the back end has been slowly playing better each and every week. And I think if they can get enough pressure, um, they can do a really good job against this team. But they do have they do have big play playmakers, and it's just about making sure they're contained and make sure they don't impact. it, Because I don't think Brees Hall's had an explosive carry for like the last three weeks, and uh, you know Garrett Wilson has been similarly quiet. Obviously, it's impossible to completely shut him out of an offense, but He's been doing okay. So um, can you continue to make them struggle? Can you continue to make them look very bad? And I think I think the answer is yes, but I've said that before and totally overestimated where this defense has been at for the commanders.
0: No doubt. Um, Zach Wilson, questionable. We'll see if he can go. He's still in concussion protocol. Um, that's probably going to be a game-time decision at best. Um, can he get cleared by the weekend? Can he get cleared by basically Saturday? Um, so that he's ready to go for Sunday. If not, it'll be the veteran Trevor Simeon, not nearly as explosive, probably gets rid of the ball a little bit faster. Right. But, you know, that's the thing with Wilson. Like, Wilson in some ways is scarier to me for this defense that he holds the ball if the pass rush can't get home. He can make plays late in the down because he's stupid talented. Like, his arm talent right. is ridiculous, and he'll he'll run and make throws on the run that are crazy, and sometimes they'll get picked off. but. Um, you know, if you bust late in the down, like he's, he's got the arm talent to reach a receiver pretty much anywhere. Simeon's not that guy. Um, but at the same time, like he's a veteran, he's been around, not a very good one, but he's a veteran. He's been around. Um, so you gotta, you gotta be solid in your execution. Um, but as you said, man, this is a, this is a bad, bad offense. It's it's literally worst on worst. Um, you know, and historically bad, uh, in, in both cases in in some statistical categories, so we'll see who wins that matchup, uh, if if anybody wins. Uh, now Logan is Logan is done talking for the week. Uh, he gets to go enjoy the holiday, uh, which we, nope. we love for him. Um, but Linnell uh, is actually going to be with me on Sunday at Tap Sports Bar. So make sure you come join us, come hang out, say what's up, spend part of your Christmas Eve watching football at Tap Sports Bar, MGM National Harbor, uh, and also we will be streaming live on YouTube the whole regular. Deal. Uh, that is it for the preview edition. That's enough Jetson commanders for one day. Uh, let's talk to Matt Harmon from Reception Perception here on Taking. Our guest today on Take Command is half of the very popular Odyssey podcast, Reception. Perception, uh, this podcast actually predates the Odyssey family, and we were lucky enough to have it join our crew here at 2400 Sports and Odyssey. Matt Harmon uh, is the originator of the show, he, and uh, Matt, I will let you describe, well, first of all, welcome, hello, Thanks for thanks for joining us.
2: <laughs> appreciate you boys having me. Yeah, I'm excited to talk today.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. So, how did you like how would you describe what your podcast is?
2: Yeah, so I think the way to des- describe it is like James and I we we try to just cover the wide receiver position uh in depth because of the work that I do called reception perception, hence reception perception the show. So, uh reception perception was the series uh that I came up with back in 2013 is when I started working on this. Uh so with a better part of the last decade and what Really, uh, you know, I was I'm still a nobody, but at the time was definitely a, a nobody kind of <laughs> trying to break into this football media scene. Um, and and I was like, you know what, I need to come up with a, an idea that stands out, right? And for me, it was I want to answer the biggest question I have about football, and for me, that was the wide receiver position. Uh, I was I was never equipped to play wide receiver growing up, let's just put it that way, <laughs> from a body type perspective. But for me, I was like, you know, we we I mean, obviously, Logan, you'll, you'll definitely be able to, to speak to this. It's like when you're running routes and, and things like that, you know, you're you're doing your job. You're executing your assignment, but you might be lucky to get like eight to ten targets a game. I mean, that's a lot. But you're running like 30 plus routes a game at times. I'm like, these guys need to be getting credit for what they're doing when the football doesn't go their way. Right. So that's what I came up with. Reception perception over an eight game sample for NFL players. I go in and chart every single route that they run, how often they get open uh, against each type of coverage, how often often they get open against man, zone, press, etc. Really trying to not just discover kind of how good these guys are away from factors that they cannot control, but also like kind of trying to bucket wide receivers into types because obviously you, you play three different positions on the field, whether you're the slot, you're the X, you're the flanker, and then you can go deeper than that. And really just, again, trying to paint a full picture of who a wide receiver is outside of uh, just typical production
1: so how do you do that are you giving guys grades or like are you like doing the pff thing where it's like oh this is uh, like what, what does it look like is it a report is it like uh you know so i just curious how that that product looks
2: Yeah, I wouldn't say quite uh, the PFF thing, but for me, um, I'm just going in and again, charting whether uh, in my estimation, they get open or not. Right. So it's kind of like a a pass fail type of thing. And then we're also uh, it's just me doing all the charting work, too. So it's not a team of people. I try to be super transparent with my process and, and again, not not like. No shade to anybody else. But again, just it's just me doing the work going in. Uh, and and all the data is on the site, too. Everything that I chart, it's it is a paywall site. You know, there's three tiers of subscription and everything like that. But, um, again, I'm trying to just show you exactly what I'm doing from like a how often they run the slant route, how often I think they're getting open on the slant route versus man zone press, uh, contested catch after the catch performance. So really, there's no kind of grading, there's no, um, it's very—it's not black and white, obviously, because football is not black and white. There's a lot of gray area there. Uh, but for me, all the data is presented on the site. There's no kind of like magic formula.
1: So like, how do you compare receivers then if there's no like consistent metric? Is it just kind of like you're trying to give your perspective on each individual person and like kind of give a report in addition to the data? And or is there something else? going
2: on. No, no. I mean, everybody is charted with the same rubric, right? I just wouldn't mm-hmm. say that there's like a grade to it. So um, everybody is, again, it's it's every metric that is on the site is, is the same for every receiver that's being charted. Uh, it's just, again, like I, I wouldn't, there's nothing like going into a grade, right? Like no formula or something like mm-hmm. that. It's just, I'm charting again, just every route that they run, how often they run each route type, where they line up pre-snap. Are you off the ball? Are you on the line? Are you outside left are you outside right are you in the slot so everybody's being charted the same way um i just again probably i were we're getting caught up on the pff thing just because there's no like grade to it if that makes sense yeah so
0: so it's like terry mclaurin runs a slant route from the right flanker position x percent of the time right gets open x percent of the time It's, it's just uh each individual play pass fail that's a percentage if you want to call it a grade it's a grade but there's no actual formula to it yeah the the metric is the metric
2: is success rate versus like man coverage success rate versus press coverage success rate so again the success is yeah yeah did you get open or not not like a he's a you know 2.5 or a 1.5 or something like that but everybody's just kind of it's it's bucketed and categorized in the same way gotcha
0: so. so that brings us to Terry McLaurin, uh, Josh, uh, gosh, I just went Josh Dotson back in the day. We were just talking about old football stuff, Logan, before you hopped on and we started recording here. Uh, Jahan Dotson. Uh, and then, obviously, Curtis Samuel, the, the three big receivers here in D.C. Let's, let's start with Terry because there's been so much consternation locally about his lack of targets, his lack of production this year relative to what so many of us thought he would be based off what he's been in the past. If you try to take him kind of, I want to say out of context but you you try to really look at him on his own you know and try to take some of the qb play some of the schematic stuff out of it how would you describe the season that terry mclaurin is having
2: yeah so for context like i've been a huge fan of terry mclaurin he's been like a, a reception perception superstar for a long time i think he's a really good player i've always been a big fan of him as a route runner as a separator um, especially against man coverage, and and he's sort of that in in this offense and in the previous offense, he's been that consummate X receiver. And you know those guys typically they're going to threaten you vertically, they're going to beat man coverage. And I think Terry McLaurin has been that guy for a long time. I th- I think he's been I-, I think he's been great in isolation this year when you just watch him play. I think he gets open and separates. Maybe not to I, I would say his best seasons in in reception perception were 2020 uh and 2021. I wouldn't I wouldn't see he's necessarily getting open to that level. but I mean, I don't see a lot of flaws in his game from a separation standpoint. You know, there's been some issues maybe at times, but I don't I don't have any like I don't think he is the problem with the lack of targets, I guess is the long and short of it.
1: Well, that's interesting because like when you look at some of the other services out there, you know they always say that he's not a great he's not a great separator in like yards from defender. Like how do you kind of counter that perspective from these different services?
2: See, I don't know that. And again, this is just my opinion. I don't think there is a big difference of like, okay, you're open by, you know, three yards or four yards. Like, right. You're either presenting a quality target or not. There's a difference, obviously. I mean, not to take a shot at Washington's defense, but when you're open by like, 100 yards like Cooper Cup, right? <laughs> on this past <laughs> right. Sunday, that obviously is going to create an easier throw than if you're open by three, two yards, whatever. I don't uh, really get into the like 2.5 yards of separation, three yards of separation, stuff like that. I think like I'm trying to put more emphasis on the process of, of route running and, and like what you're doing to set up defenders and what you're um, doing to get yourself open as opposed to just like, are you this far away from the nearest defender?
0: That's interesting too, because I feel like Logan, that would then kind of go into some of the timing stuff and and throwing with anticipation and some of the stuff that Sam at times has struggled with this year in terms of actually getting Terry the football. It's like, if he presents a quality target, the more separation he gets, the longer that, that target is going to be open. But if Sam throws with the anticipation that he's been lacking at times, then, you know, kind of Matt's formula... Does explain the lack of production, right?
1: And I think that's the thing I was trying to get out there is because like with, you know, I think not all separation is created equal. Like you are open, right? Like let's say you're a big tight end and you've, and the guy's draped on your back. Like uh, Rob Gronkowski is a great example, right? He is open kind of all the time just because of his physical stature and how his body presence is to the football. Um, But I do think like with a young quarterback, there is something to this like quantification of the separation you are creating, which is why I asked if that was something that you charted. And I understand from a strictly receiver standpoint, if you're open, you're open. But I also think from a quarterback perspective, it's a different, it's a different point of view because like, you know, I think, um, perfect example was uh, i was talking to rex grossman this was like in 2010 or something like that and he was like i like throwing to big receivers because you can see them and because they're always open as opposed to a little guy who you can't really see and like terry's not the biggest guy and so i need to see a more definitive amount of separation so even though it's like this this thing where it's like yes it's a quality target he's open like because of his stature because of the route concept like what does that look like when presenting to the quarterback? Which is why I brought up the other metric. I'm not being critical of of your of your process because I think it's oh, sure. true when you're just looking at receivers, but when you're looking at it from a quarterback perspective, I think it's it's important to give that some context as well.
2: A hundred percent, and I would say too when when you're looking at other metrics, it's like when are you measuring that yes. that yeah. separation too like is it at the quarterback release point is that it, is it at the top of the drop right because i mean different offenses are going to require different things i mean the great example right now is dallas you know dak has been not not this past sunday but right like getting the ball out as soon as he hits the top of his drop sure. and and different receivers are going to re- going to require Um, different points where they're going to be open in that route, and you need to sync all that stuff up, and that's really different, like from a timing and anticipation standpoint. I always come back to, you know, it's funny when you spend so much time studying receivers, you're inherently, obviously, spending a lot of time with the quarterback as well, and there are some quarterbacks that really. Like you said, Logan, that's perfectly, perfectly said. Like some guys want to see it and rip it, right? As opposed to other guys can anticipate it. And that's going to be expressed with different receiver types. Uh, Brandon Ayuk with San Francisco right now. I think Purdy is great at playing on time. He's great with playing. I think he throws with great anticipation previous quarterbacks in that offense haven't necessarily done that so you didn't see him getting unlocked from a production standpoint Mm -hmm. I think you see Purdy back there and he's actually elevated and like a perfect example from I think it was the Dallas game I think it was actually called back the route was a corner route it was deep towards the sideline like Jimmy Garoppolo is never making that throw it's just not the type of throw he likes but Ayuk has always been great running these outbreaking routes so you see again just different type of quarterbacks can unlock other receivers that maybe they wouldn't have in different situations
0: so i think that kind of perfectly perfectly brings us to jahan because the chemistry between jahan and, and sam has not really been there this year we i mean we anticipated a monster year from john yeah. i think we both preseason were like this dude could lead the team in receptions he yeah. could push 100 catches this year with the training camp he had he looked incredible such a great route runner but as we've watched the film this year logan has remarked on sometimes the timing is really off for him we're like he'll get open but i need you open a half a second ago, because you you triple stick to the top of your route, and now Sam's getting sacked or having to move off you somewhere else. When you watch Dotson, what have you seen?
2: Yeah, so I'm with you guys that coming into this year, I expected big things from Jahan Dotson. I really liked him as a prospect in different circles. Like that pick was criticized when he was taken mm-hmm. in the first round. I, I thought he was a first round pick. I thought he was a so great I- prospect coming into coming into the league. Like, and he hasn't. He has had some drop issues this year. And actually, even as a rookie, he had drop issues. But I said he had the best hands in that class uh, coming in from Penn State. Uh, Would make incredible plays with Sean Clifford down the field where he was you know, that was a, a very erratic quarterback, uh, you know, would kind of throw him into contested situations down the field and he would have the hands to go up and get it. Thought he was a great zone beater. And then you look at him as a rookie in reception perception. I, I was kind of surprised actually that they used him so much outside as a rookie, but he was great mm. against press coverage, 87th percentile success rate versus press in his rookie season in reception. versus right there in terms of the barometers you want to receiver to hit against man and zone coverage. I was really excited about him this year, too. So I've also been disappointed uh, in the lack of production this year. I think the chemistry and timing stuff is a good perspective on this because I think it's actually kind of gotten worse as the year has gone on, too, which is really disconcerting because I thought in maybe and maybe this is a good point, too. I thought that Early on in the season, he was playing extremely good football in isolation. Like, he was cutting guys up. He was getting open against man coverage. The ball wasn't necessarily coming his way. Um, And then really, like, you've seen him sort of, I think, regress as the year has gone on. Like, his best stuff was at the beginning of the season. I think it's tapered off towards this back half of the season. And maybe that is, like, I I don't know what that is, right? I don't know the explanation to that. But uh, maybe some of the timing and chemistry issues are a part of it.
1: Yeah, and I also think, like with him, like, you know, you mentioned stylistically how guys are a little bit different. You know, I think finding stuff that speaks to players' skill set, like you mentioned Brandon Ayuk and how he's able to do some some kind of different stuff, you know, like he feels really good on outbreaking routes. Um, and then finding stuff that speaks to what Jahan does well. You know, like as we talked about, like last year, he did that such a good job with that kind of short post and the double stick at the top versus mm-hmm. quarters breaking inside. And you had a guy um, in. Taylor Henneke and Carson Wentz even who felt very comfortable throwing that. And I'm not sure that that route's been explored in this offense to the same level. And I also think like, you know, speaking to what Sam does well, like, does he see the middle of the field? Great. And I feel like that's kind of some stuff that Jahan does better. So it's, it's like this weird bounce. Do you have a, Like a metric or understanding for quantifying the quarterback, or is it just strictly receivers at reception perception?
2: So I focus strictly uh, on receivers. We actually, this offseason, brought in Derek Klassen, who charts quarterbacks. Mm. Um, uh, So he does work on quarterbacks. There obviously was not a lot to go on on Sam Howell from his first (laughs) season. Uh, You know, he didn't play until week 17. But um, I think both of us, uh, you know, when Derek and I have talked about this, I do think that we kind of have more issues with the offense than the players uh, themselves. Uh, You know, I think this offense is I'm actually curious what you guys think about the enemy's offense this year, because I I think when I watch it, I've been frustrated with with certain parts of it. But I I agree with your point about like the lack of the middle of the field usage. It does feel like everything is really hard in this offense where like we're asking these guys and Jahan specifically to run these like, you know, deep curl and deep comeback routes along the sideline, along the boundary. And he's, he's really good at getting open against those routes. Um, but at the same time, like that was some of his best, best stuff as a rookie from a success rate standpoint. But I do think that asks a lot of your quarterback to consistently hit these like downfield routes at times.
1: Yeah, so can you just – we'll tell you what we think. But you said there's been a frustration with the offense. Can you just kind of elaborate on, like, what your frustrations are and what you're seeing? Because it sounds like you watch a ton of football, watch a ton of (laughs) offense. And I think – and people sleep on that. People think, oh, like, you know, like he didn't play or whatever. He's not a coach. But just watching a lot of ball gives you a a beautiful perspective on – What's good offense and what offense is kind of lacking in certain areas.
0: And especially once you get outside of one team's bubble. We yeah, get 100%. so hyper focused. And you know, that's why like teams or fans will look comment all the time on our stuff, like, it's the worst offensive line in the league. And every metrics metric says they're average. Like they're not good, but they're not the worst in the league. And it's like it's cause we get caught in our own bubble we see a bunch of sacks and it's like this how can it possibly be worse and it's like well let oh, me man. tell you <laughs> let's talk about that so so watch, yeah what watch do
2: you some see? carolina panthers if you if you want to <laughs> see
0: what god yeah if you want to see the worst of anything watch the carolina panthers um anyway they won last weekend good for them it what do you yeah. see for what do you see from this offense yeah
2: good for them not so great for the atlanta falcons that was a tough tough situation there yeah. no i think the my, my problem with this offense is I think they put, like I said, a, they put a lot on Sam Howell's plate. And this is a guy that is a, his first year starting. Uh, it's a second year in the league. He doesn't have a ton of experience on his belt. But I, I think they don't really give him a lot of, like, layup plays. Um, I think they, again, they p- want to push the ball down the field. They want to pass the ball a lot. Like, one thing I, I noticed, and, and, again, this is talking with our quarterback guy, Derek Klassen, like, and he posted some good clips of this. Like, in the Cowboys game, and obviously that game went went to hell uh, later on in the process. But, like, Dallas is just lining up like Micah Parsons at the nose tackle spot, like on first and 10. And it's like they, this team doesn't believe you're going to run the ball or like establish a running game at all They They know you're going to drop back a ton. And this is an offense is really high in terms of like pass rate over expectation. If you want to look at those metrics. And I, I think that just puts a lot on a quarterback. It puts a lot on an offensive line that maybe it's not the worst in the league, but I still wouldn't say it's like an above average protection unit. So you know, we're getting, we're getting Sam, Sam Howell hit a lot. I don't think he's been great in terms of like second reaction plays. So um, I would like to see them get like, again, put some more of those layups in place, right? Like have Sam Howell just focus in on one read, because that's another thing that's been crazy about this offense is like, they throw to a ton of guys. Like you look at some offenses and and they have really quality players. They funnel to like three guys. I mean, San Francisco is obviously an easy example to come back to because they have like four superstar level players in Ayuk, Samuel, McCaffrey, and Kittle. I do think Washington has a great receiver trio in McLaurin, Dotson, uh, and Samuel, but like they involve a ton of players. And I think when you're asking Sam Howell to read out so many plays like that, again, it puts a lot of stress on the quarterback. Like when I, again, when I watch this offense, I feel like there's not a ton of easy buttons and the quarterback is under a ton of uh, a ton of stress, whether it's from a protection standpoint, whether it's from uh, a route standpoint. I just think they've put a lot on his plate
1: and so real quick. So easy buttons. We've talked a lot about easy buttons. Do you have plays that you're like, oh, like because, again, you watch so much offense. that You're like, oh, this is an easy button in San Fran. This is an easy button in Kansas City. This is an easy button in Philadelphia. Do you have those plays? And and like, can you just give an example for our listeners potentially?
2: Great example. Uh, I think the the best in terms of route combinations and route concepts to open guys up right now is probably in Detroit. Um, they mm. have so many layups for Amon Ross, St. Brown, and like you have to have the right players to do this. And I don't necessarily know that. Um, any of these guys' profile is like that power slot player because they don't mm. have a ton of size. There's a lot of smaller players in this receiver room. Uh, you, like Terry's the biggest. And like you said, he's not necessarily um, a big wide out, but he does have to win those like press coverage big boy routes on the outside. I, I love the way in Detroit, like again, they'll clear everything out, whether you're running like deep corner routes, whether you're just running go routes uh, from the slot. And then the nearest inside slot receiver is St. Brown. And he can just run a simple slant, a crossing route. Um, I think another example is in Houston. This player's hurt now, but Tank Dell, even when he wasn't getting the ball, they would have him run, you know, these big, deep, outbreaking routes. And actually, it's crazy because he's a rookie receiver. But to me... He was probably the best receiver on like outbreaking routes this year. But then you'd have Nico Collins come inside as that ex receiver uh, running like big dig routes and deep in routes, post routes. And those two guys would work in concert together to, to get one or the other open. And they have a high level quarterback who can read it out. I don't think Washington necessarily like all of these routes necessarily work together. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's been an issue for the quarterback to, to try to constantly be under duress.
1: I think that's fantastic insight. By the way, I think that's a good, that's a really good succinct way of putting it. And I think you see, you know, just like in the in the Houston Texans example, like p- speak to your players' skill sets. Right, Nico Collins is a bigger guy. Let him work the middle of the field. You can see that better through the traffic. Tank Dell is a very petite guy, but hyper twitched yeah. up. His route running nuance is off the charts. Like <clears throat> watching him run routes is is spectacular. So let him speak to that outbreaking outcut stuff, the comeback stuff, where body weight is going to be kind of like to your advantage, like that lighter body weight, it can really decelerate and come out. So I think that's a that's a great point. And then just finding easy throws in the context of what they do well. I love the example of Almond Ross St. Brown as well. Like they, they do such a good job getting him into bunches, getting him in the slot and being like, we're going to clear this space out. You're great in space. You're going to win this one-on-one. And Jared Goff doesn't have to read like, he's not reading drive. He's not reading scissors yeah. to the flat. It's just like, this is it. If it's not there, I can check the ball down to someplace else.
2: It's funny when uh, St. Brown was coming into the draft, I called him Bud Light Cooper Cup, like at USC, (laughs) which is funny, which is funny because he's like playing as an outside receiver, but you watch him even just play as an outside guy. And like, this is a player who should be kind of that big slot receiver like Cooper Cup. And then he ends up getting drafted by Detroit. Then Detroit's obviously got Jared Goff. And like, like we were talking about earlier, some receivers just work so well with certain quarterbacks. Like a, Hey, this guy, like, I don't have to read this thing out. I know this guy's going to be open. I can just funnel him the ball in the middle of the field. That is Perfect for a Jared Goff type of quarterback.
0: So if we take this uh, to like the long-term view for Washington, if you could add something to their receiver room and you know, you've got Dotson, you know, you've got McLaurin, Samuel's a free agent. Like, what would you, what would you be looking to do to, to make, to kind of optimize this receiver room personnel wise and schematically?
2: I think, uh, Logan, you brought the point of about like Nico Collins and how you can see that guy over the field like a big X receiver to run these in-breaking routes. I think that would really help out this receiver room because you can get then Terry McLaurin away from that X receiver spot. And it's not – again, it's not as if I have really any issue that McLaurin can go out on the line of scrimmage as ISO receiver and beat press man coverage. But I think you could – Especially as he ages, you know, I mean, he's going to, he, he's weirdly like an older, or he was an older rookie coming into the NFL, so, right? Can we like, just
1: double click your points on point? But I just want to make sure the listeners understand. So when you're the X, you're on the ball. So you have to deal with these press situations a little bit more. When you're the Z, you are, you're off the ball and we can motion you around the formation a little bit better, which again, I think with just watching Terry would speak to his skill set a little bit more. So if you get a big hoss out there playing X, think like Julio Jones. Calvin Mike Johnson Evans right? is the guy that's amazing because he's a free agent. Right, 100%. Like those guys, they're big physical dudes you can see them over the middle of the field and they can like kind of bully corners. Let's get Terry off and let him move around a little bit. But I just want to make sure our listeners understood kind of what you were saying there with the X and the Z stuff.
2: Yeah, 100%. And I think a good example of this cuz I mean you're you're right to say like it's good to kind of have these other examples around the league right cuz I think it helps you kind of contextualize it like But the Bills have done with Steph Diggs, who's another, I mean, I think he's one of the best route runners in the NFL. He's been one of the best route runners in the NFL since, um, I mean, he was a big reception perception hit. That was like back in Minnesota. (laughs) It's like this this guy, trust me, like is number one, number two, number three in success rate versus man press every single year. Like he could be an elite production player if he's just in the right situation. Obviously with a great quarterback in Buffalo, that's happened. But you also see them do a lot to like get, him off the line of scrimmage and get him free releases because then yeah his route running and his timing and technique can really be uh can be expressed and and can shine in that way i think terry could certainly do that um and and even like gabe davis is a a very inconsistent player but the bills are content to even if he's going to quote lose these routes out at the x receiver position if he can deal with those press corners and allow digs to be off the line it it helps your number one. Like you can have these guys who you, maybe you, I don't know if they need to get like a Mike Evans or something like that, because I think Terry and John Dotson are perfectly capable of being like a one and a two on a team. But if you can just get a guy out there to handle some of those X receiver reps and and maybe eventually develop into a a high level starter, like I think that's going to go a long way for this group.
0: Interesting. And then is there anything from us like, Obviously, they're going to be looking for a new staff, um, specifically head coach. We all assume B is probably not going to be around next year as well. Um, you mentioned Detroit. You mentioned some of the other, you know, Bobby Sloak in Houston. You like some of the stuff that they're doing. Given Terry and Jahan's skill sets, is there anything schematically where you'd be like, that'd be my guy for Washington?
2: Yeah, I think those are two guys to to bring up if you're looking for an offensive play calling head coach. Um, ben Johnson obviously would be a home run. I think a lot. I think he's going to get paid a lot of money. I mean, anybody yeah. that uh, I, I don't Sharers know how willing
0: to be- pay a lot of money. That's actually exciting for once here.
2: Right. That that is good. You're going to need to outbid David Tepper. Uh, you know, but he did he did turn down that job
0: last year. He's, so yeah, Te- Tepper's going to have to pay a Tepper tax. So I'm not concerned yeah. as much about that one. I'm much more concerned about. Hey, you could go coach Justin Herbert.
2: Yeah. I, I do think it's it's exciting though if you're an offensive head coach like 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 a Ben Johnson right because I wouldn't say this group is a is a total blank slate right because you have uh, good players here even in the backfield like I I like what Brian Robinson brings to the table you know as as a power back I think that was kind of underutilized at times this year and I I think if you like let's say right now they're I think they're slated to pick 4th in the draft right mm-hmm. um you, you look at that and you say, okay, we, maybe we get a quarterback at four, whatever, or we bring back Sam next year and like have him compete with somebody. Like, I, I think Sam Howell actually would be much better in an offense like that that's going to simplify things, like throw to your first read more often. Don't spread the field a ton with these like four receiver sets. You know, get multiple tight ends in there, right? Because I think, um, I, I think Jahan Dotson can play slot. I think he could play flanker, like best utilized there. And then, you know, obviously Terry, maybe he plays X and two receiver sets, but then moves off the ball to the flanker spot with this other hypothetical big X receiver we've brought in here, maybe in the draft, whatever. Like, I think something like that where you're condensing the field more is is the best approach here, especially if you have to run it back with Howell.
1: Yeah,
0: makes sense to me. Uh, Logan, Any anything else that you wanted to, to follow up on, touch on?
1: No, love it. I mean, I love the I love the insight, and I guess I don't know how you you I mean, I'm sure you do college guys as well. Have you done anything with Marvin Marvin Harrison Jr.? I know there's some talk about him being there at four. Just high level thoughts on him as a player, and is he as good as everyone says?
2: Yeah, I haven't gotten to prospects yet. Um, yeah. it sounds it sound- like you're
1: very busy. If you're doing eight <laughs> games on a guy, it sounds like you're very busy. So <laughs> yeah, no, uh, look, no problem there. <laughs>
2: I'm I'm excited uh, that the draft is supposed to be filled with a ton of good receivers at the same t- time. Though I'm like, yeah, damn, you boys, you boys gonna be busy. Uh, there's <laughs> yeah, also Miller, like Matt. We
0: had Matt Miller last week, and he said he might he has eight receivers currently in the first round. No, oh, yeah, it's gonna. It's going gonna gonna to be, be a long, you're like, yeah, be a long spring. <laughs> <laughs> Not to mention, <laughs> too, the
2: uh, look, obviously free agency. Uh, the first group that I usually put on on the site in the offseason is the upcoming free agents. So mm. um, even if the guys end up getting tagged, which this certainly could be, that's a pretty good-looking group, too. You've got T. Higgins. You've got Mike Evans. You've got Michael Pittman. Oh, yeah. um, I mean, there's a lot of – and by the way, a couple of guys that could fit. I don't know if you need to spend that kind of money on a free agent, X receiver but like Higgins and Evans, these guys are, are going to be – in that group too of what we're kind of looking for here for Washington. But I mean, yeah, that is interesting. Marvin Harrison at, at fourth overall, if he happens to get there, because whatever we're talking about, like, yeah, you could, you couldn't have a developmental X receiver to mostly just take pressure off the other guys and stuff like that. You have a prospect like that in there. That would be pretty hard to, to pass up because he is supposed to be
0: that prototypical number one X out there. Yeah, He's, he's a potential hall of Famer, is, is the way that he's coming out, which is scary to put on a kid, but yeah, a lot of, um, maybe it's no a little pressure. easier when his dad already did it. Uh, All right, so the Reception Perception podcast uh, is out uh, on all your favorite podcast platforms, including the free Odyssey app and then uh, receptionperception.com and the website, Matt.
2: Yes, sir. Yeah, we got three tiers of subscriptions. Uh, something for everybody. If you want, like, the we literally call our highest tier package the sicko, uh, tier because (laughs) if you want every piece of reception perception data I've charted since 2014, you get it with that package, and that verifiably makes you a sicko if you want that. (laughs) But I I appreciate the sickos who who do indeed uh purchase and want that.
1: Logan's like, where do I I sign? It sounds awesome. It sounds awesome, and especially if you're watching that much film to support the numbers because like it's and especially if you're doing it yourself you know i think that's one of the big criticisms of of some other products out there is that you know you get some people who aren't as well versed in the metrics grading games so that sounds like a i mean i i don't know how much it costs but i'm definitely interested i'll tell you that
2: (laughs) well i appreciate it yeah no um i love doing this it's 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 the reason i got into doing this and obviously i do a lot more stuff uh now from from a media standpoint but uh you know james who's my co-host at reception perception and my business partner on the site you know he's always something like maybe we can get you know some other people in here doing the charting work i'm like nah you gotta you gotta pry that like out of my <laughs> cold dead hands because that's the that's the part that's the part that i like and and i agree with you logan like you can tell i mean washington's a great example it's like people it's like why why aren't these receivers producing when sam howe's putting up all these numbers it's like well there's a lot to it beyond just the stats sure. and everything. And that doesn't mean that Sam Howe stinks or like he's holding all these guys back, but there's a lot of context that goes into the situation. And being the one to go in and 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 do the film work is I, you can tell when people don't do it and and look i i mean i i like doing it and uh, thank god because it is uh it is it's going to be a busy off season as we say.
0: <laughs> for sure uh we'll definitely have to have you back to to talk about it especially if the commanders go whether it's free agency draft start signing guys etc uh matt Harmon, reception perception thank you sir this was awesome
1: yeah yeah great for job. Sure.
0: thank you guys appreciate it